this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. And thank you for joining me, Mike Dork, on the Relax Back UK show here on UK Health Radio. Now, are you in pain right now? Is a member of your family suffering from long-term pain? Back pain, sciatica pain, shoulder pain, knee pain, headache pain. All have one thing in common, and that is they can really wreck lives. Drugs for pain relief can be a huge problem. I've spent a lot of my medical career in the chronic pain clinic in the NHS, really trying to help people with the medicines that are available for long-term pain. Sometimes they help, that's brilliant. Sometimes they really have tough side effects, which means they're not on balance helping very much. And for some conditions, they just don't help. And it's difficult for people to understand that. Yes, today's topic is pain. And my guests are Dr. Anthony Ordman and specialist nurse Sophie Hayes from Integro Clinic. We discuss many aspects of pain and methods to allay it. The Integro Clinic specialises in helping with medicines derived from the cannabis plant. We explore that in some detail. And there are also there's also news of an approaching webinar on back pain. So please do stay tuned for a fantastically interesting show about a very important topic. Thank you. This show is cool. My guests today are Dr. Anthony Ordman and specialist nurse Sophie Hayes, and they're both from the Integro Pain Clinic. So your pain is the topic, and we're not talking about the pain that you get when you stub your toe and then you kind of swear and it hurts like crazy, but then just goes after a few seconds. Pain is odd because it's it's very subjective, really. I've been lucky. I, I don't think during my life I've ever really been in real pain. Sure, I've hurt myself and things of things, you know, have been painful, but I've never really been in a situation where I, I just can't do anything but think about the pain that I'm I'm suffering. So to start off with, I asked Dr. Anthony Aldman, it's kind of a, a difficult question, really, saying his pain is so subjective and down to the individual. I asked him, what sort of pain are we really talking about here? Well, we're really talking about long-term pain, or some people call it chronic pain. It's very difficult for a lot of people to understand or to believe, but there are a lot of very unfortunate people everywhere in the world who have pain that just doesn't go away. Um, and as you say, we're all used to the pains that happen when we stub our toe or whatever, and we expect it to go away. And we also expect medicines to be able to help it. But unfortunately, and I've spent a lot of my medical career dealing with this, there are people who just have long-term pain. And that's really what we're dealing with at Integro Clinics. Right. And, and, and the point is, you know, it wrecks people's lives. You know, it just it can just destroy your life. Yeah, even uh, even women who are very good with pain, uh, their lives can be really um, messed up by long-term pain because they not only have the pain, 
but they have all the miserable consequences that go with it. They, they can't be active anymore. They lose their role in society or in their family or at work. And they understandably get very low in mood as a result and they can't sleep and we all know what happens when you can't sleep properly yeah. every the next day is worse so pain is a very big subject it's not just the physical sensation of the pain that is so difficult to deal with it but it's everything else that comes with it sure uh, so th there are many different methods that people have tried to you know get rid of pain I, I gave this the, the, the small topic of when I stub my toe, actually, I'll probably swear or shout. And actually, in the short term, that seems to help. Um, so there, <laughs> I can see you're both nodding your heads here, heads there. So, you know, everyone has stubbed their toe and probably sworn. We're all familiar with that. But you guys um, specialise in a different sort of uh, medication. Uh, that's medication that's dry, derived from the cannabis plant. Is, is that right? Well, that's right. Um, Sophie is the real expert on these medicines. I just do what she tells me. But I've spent, uh, I'm, I'm joking a bit, but I've spent a lot of my medical career in the chronic pain clinic in the NHS, really trying to help people with the medicines that are available for long-term pain. Sometimes they help, that's brilliant. Sometimes they really have tough side effects, which means they're not on balance helping very much. And for some conditions, they just don't help. And it's difficult for people to understand that. But uh, the few months I've spent now prescribing cannabis medicines for long-term pain have been amazing. And, and Sophie will back me up on that. We've got people who are very much happier now than they have been for the last many, many years, not because cannabis is making them high, we never want to do that, but because cannabis medicines are really reducing the impact of pain on them and reducing their pain. Okay, right, I want to explore yeah, think... this quite a bit further, but let, let me just ask kind of a fairly basic question first um, about sort of namings of, of things. So you, you, you mentioned that your medicines are derived from the cannabis plant, but in, in sort of general language, there are language, people talk about the hemp plant and the marijuana plant. So let's start at, at basics. Are, are those different or is it just names for the same thing? So, I mean, yeah, the cannabis and marijuana are the same thing. They're just different words for the same thing. Marijuana has more historical ne negative sort of racial undertones and sort of the history of where that word has come from is sort of uh, a word that was almost created by the um, National Federation of uh, was the Bureau of yeah the Federal Bureau of Narcotics the the guy the head of this organization was called Anslinger um, and he was actually the um, he was the key part he was a key leader in the prohibition of alcohol movement Right. um in in the states and then when a bit of a kill he, joy to me i think that's the thing as well and he made a real career out of exactly that he he was the head of the prohibition of alcohol movement and then when that prohibition was ended he was then out of a career so he then started to look for avenues or other other drugs that could be placed in the same category of this very dangerous um uh harmful category and marijuana was the was the word created to refer to cannabis to make it sound more Mexican 
because cannabis has actually been prescribed for many, many years, right up until sort of 50s, like early 70s. It was actually still prescribed as a medication. And doctors were actually upset at the time about the idea of it being gotten rid of and removed from their toolbox. I think it was interesting what you were saying earlier about cannabis medicines and where they fit now that the really we want to sort of emphasize that for doctors it's a, another tool in your toolbox in order to help um, any number of your patients for different conditions so that's sort of the difference between there is no difference between marijuana and cannabis it's the same thing it's just marijuana has these underlying connotations and contexts uh, hemp is a different thing so hemp is classified as a um, is the cannabis plant that is cultivated particularly for fiber production not for human consumption however it recently has changed that the because the thc content um has to be below three two or three percent in order to be classified as hemp and that those flowers are now also being used to produce a lot of the -the over-the-counter cbds cbd oils that people you can find in shops and boots and all these other places so that's the key difference okay so so what you just said there kind of leads me on to another question <laughs> because you you said cbds and thc so the question really is what are the active ingredients in in the cannabis that kind of you can use to help to, to make useful medication and if you're courageous enough you can actually say the names rather than just cbd or thc and i'm not sure i'm going to be brave enough to do that so go ahead tell us what the kind of the active ingredients are okay so um, there are there are about 144 different cannabinoids in cannabis plant. There's also other chemicals that are um, referred to as terpenes or flavonoids, and these are sort of additional underlying chemicals that can have therapeutic effects, but there's not been a huge amount of research into them, but it's just interesting and something to be aware of. The two main uh, cannabinoids that you've mentioned are THC, so delta-9 tetrahydrocannabidiol and um, uh, cannabinol, sorry, and, can- and CBD, which is cannabidiol. Um, right. And these are the two that are the most researched and therefore have been approved to be prescribed as medications because they have the most research behind them. Okay, well done. Thank you. For the rest of this chat, <laughs> we will refer to them as CBDs and THCs. So they are, good the, <laughs> they are the active ingredients that have been found in, in cannabis. Is that, that, that's it. That's correct. So are, are there lots of different sorts of CBDs and lots of different sorts of THCs? No, there's just different strengths. They are single, they're, sim- uh, they're chemical compounds that they are found within the cannabis plant, um, but there are not different types. There's just different qualities and strengths. Okay. Now, at, at the moment, there's a lot of stuff available. You can go and buy them in, in the pharmacy, uh, lozenges and sweets and even teas and probably creams that uh, contain CBDs. Uh, and uh, the manufacturer of those will say they're good for anxiety and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, I Is that what you're dealing with or you're dealing with the THCs? Tell me. And we deal with both. I mean, both okay. CBD and THC have um, medical uh, applications. I think the difference to emphasize is exactly as you said before, and I hate to use the word proper, but it's interesting that you used that word earlier when you were talking about there's pain and then there's pain that requires 
medical intervention and it's the same um and i would use the same terminology for anxiety or inflammation that those are the things that cbd can be helpful for um and the difference is that yes if you have a mild anxiety that you might be able to find some benefits some people do from over-the-counter products but there's no standardization for those products for um, what percentage of CBD is, is required of them, what the carrier oils are, um, what the standards for production are, um, and the difference between those and the CBD products that we work with are that they've gone through the process of EU GMP approval to be medicinal products. Right. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk recently, hasn't there, about the sort of products that may or may not contain CBD oils that you buy. They're not really very well regulated. So um, yeah. All right. So the, the, the medicines that you prescribe and use contain both CBDs and THCs. Is it possible? Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and, please, and they but... contain other substances as well. As Sophie mentioned, some of them are pure CBD, usually with THC as well. And we vary the, the mix according to each patient. But very importantly, the terpenes and the flavonoids also present in the plant. If we allow some of those to come through in the medicine, then we can be even more subtle in the effects that we get from the medicine. If a person's not sleeping well, then the terpenes can be very uh, helpful and that makes the, uh, the plant or the mixture an indica mixture, which is more helpful for sleep and sedation. If somebody needs to be wide awake for the next day to look after their kids or whatever, then we'll go much more for a sativa blend with different or no terpenes. So there's CBD and there's THC, but there's also the other substances as well. Okay. Right. The, the next question that I'm dying to ask is a really <laughs> difficult one. And I just know that there is will not be a simple answer, but is it possible to, uh, describe in the terms of the layman, I'm very much a layman, how these things work. What does it do to our system such that it prevents us feeling pain? Well, what's happening is that the molecules, the CBDs and the THC, are landing on receptor molecules within our own bodies. Now, all animals, even sort of small multicellular animals for millions of years, have had receptors in the body that respond to these chemicals, and it's called the endocannabinoid system. And the reason it's there is that the body uses that system to regulate itself. Um, it can calm down excitable areas of the brain or the nervous system. And one of the features about the long-term pain that we've been talking about is that the nervous system that processes the pain gets all overexcited and you get extra cells developing there and they're all jangled and you know overactive, which is why you get this long-term pain and it's so bad for people. There's already a mechanism built into bodies to calm that jangliness down. And sometimes it works and your stubbed toe just settles down again, but sometimes it doesn't work and you have people with lifelong pain. And so we are using this built-in endocannabinoid system, which um, either just by chance or by the virtue of some deity, um, we can manipulate by chemicals that we our ancestors have found in cannabis plants. 
So just in the same way as morphine originally came from poppies and aspirin originally came from willow trees, we're using a medicine that comes from cannabis plants and uh, it's no different from a lot of other medicines, actually. Yeah, I think and, and that, that point about the endocannabinoid system pre-existing in your body, that actually, that that obviously pre, predates the existence of cannabis. The reason that cannabis seems to, or cannabis medicine seems to work so well on that system is because that system already, we already produce chemicals in our body that interact with that system that have the same effects. So anandamide is one of these, is something that is um, produced when you exercise, for example. And people, which is great, <laughs> works effectively for many people, but for people who find it difficult to produce that chemical on their own, so the inability to exercise regularly, if you are in chronic pain, um, you need to supplement that uh, action. And the cannabinoids like THC and CBD simply mimic the action of those pre-existing chemicals so it they it's not that we have a system built for these medicines is that these medicines behave that way the same way that our body already would try to regulate itself okay all right so just just for me then there there are two systems at play here there's the nervous system uh, in the body and then the other system which the, the with the long complicated name that you just said what was that <laughs> well the endocannabinoid system that's it is a part of the nervous system. Oh, okay. All right. Now, so it's a built-in part of the nervous system, but and you also find it in other parts of the body as well. For example, the immune cells. Okay. But I, I, today I, I, we're so... mainly talking about the nervous system, and within that system, there's the endocannabinoid system. Okay. So earlier on, when you were talking about when you've been having pain for a long time. It's like that the, the nervous system or that part of the nervous system gets out of kilter. And it's almost like it's expecting pain. Therefore, it experiences pain and you feel pain. Is that OK? You're both nodding your head. So I've got the right. So you need something to kind of interrupt that system. That, that feedback absolutely. loop. Right. Yeah, absolutely. To turn down the feedback loop, to turn down the volume on yeah. the pain. And, that, and that's pretty much what these drugs uh, seem to do. Yeah, when the body's not been able to do it itself, normally the body can settle itself down. But for some reasons, and in some conditions, the body can't do enough of that. And therefore, finally, we're finding a way to help. Yeah, no, That's I, great. I understand. You know, yeah. let, let me ask another very basic question, which might, apologies, might be a bit dumb, but pain is actually a very important thing. You know, we, we gave the example of stubbing your toe, right? You, you feel pain for a reason, like to try, don't do that again. So pain's important. So if, if you are treating someone who has long-term pain and you're using something that dulls their pain, can that have difficult knock-on effects? Like for instance, could they burn themselves and not really notice or not notice so much? Or, or can, can you direct the pain dulling to their particular thing they're suffering? No, we're, um, we're not stopping that acute pain that you're mentioning. People are not now numb <laughs> right. and, and they're going to burn themselves and not realise it. Um, thank goodness. What we're doing is settling down. I'm not saying we're stopping all pain, but we're settling down and making much more tolerable um, the long-term chronic pain feeling. Okay, That's what right. we're doing. So Sorry. it's really very right. safe.
We will be returning to our discussion on pain and cannabis medication uh, shortly. We'll cover, amongst other things, uh, the law, what the law legal situation is at the moment, how you actually take it, the dosage uh, and evidence, uh, the evidence that it works, all kinds of stuff. In the meantime, please do remember that there's a webinar where much of this will be uh, discussed and, and covered. It will be uh, interactive so you can ask questions and also will be an emphasis on back pain and the back pain charity will be uh, there interacting with you as well so it will definitely go into specifics about back back pain now i'm a i'm a sponsor of the back pain charity it's a wonderful charity so i really would urge you to attend if you are a sufferer of back pain or, or know someone who is that will be on may the 27th at 7 p.m you can sign up on the Integro website, which is integroclinics.com. Cool. I've got to ask this because it's going to be in, in people's minds. Uh, and from what Sophie was saying earlier, uh, the chap who wanted to stop everyone drinking and then moved on to stopping the use, use of, of, of cannabis. What is the current legal situation for um medicine derived from cannabis so currently in the uk um the law changed in november 2018 it rescheduled cannabis in from schedule one which indicates that it's it's dangerous it has no medical therapeutic properties whatsoever into schedule two that means that you can now be prescribed it in the format of an unlicensed medicine or a controlled drug by a specialist doctor and it can only be prescribed by a specialist doctor on the specialist register as part of this you need to be able to be reviewed on a monthly basis those prescriptions can only be um, given out on a for a month's worth of of medication and then at the end of that month you need to be re-reviewed by a clinician um, this rescheduling also means that it allows for more research to be done on it. It's more easily, it's easier to apply for a a, um, a grant or for uh, to get an application for research in cannabis. Okay. So, uh, yes, what Sophie says it, it's the THC. Sorry, it's the THC that's the controlled substance, isn't it, Sophie? Yes. So the CBDs you can buy over the counter. Right. Although, because we prescribe CAD, CBD, we know it's pure and we know the exact concentration. But yeah. CBD can get over the counter. It's the THC that's the controlled substance. But most people with long-term pain actually need a bit of THC in their medicine. Otherwise, it doesn't always work hugely well. Okay. And is the reasoning behind this being so controlled still is that not so much is known about it or you know, research is still going on. Why are people still sort of a bit het up about it? Um, I, because of exactly that, I think, and it's a, it's a difficult um, place for it to be, I think, because on the one hand, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence where people have said, you know, well, I've used it for 20 years and I'm there's no issues. I've never had any problems. And then there are, um, and then there's the fact that the UK has, is renowned worldwide for the quality of the me of the medical care that we provide and for the medications that we produce and that in order for those to be to get to that standard it has to um you have to provide enough gold standard research on those medications and demonstrate their efficacy their safety 
Um, and it's just that because of restrictions and prohibition laws that have been in place on cannabis, mm-hmm. that we don't have that amount of research from the UK specifically. It's been researched in many other countries, like Israel, for example, has done a lot of work over the decades about um, cannabis medicines and its efficacy. So that's the reason why it has to remain in this controlled drug state uh, status until, as as we do more research, that will improve, I imagine. Sure. I, I'm going to ask you about the research uh, momentarily, but just to what the situation we are, where we are at the moment, I, I looked at the NHS website actually a little bit earlier, and it does suggest that you know there can be side effects from these sorts of drugs, and it, it suggested uh, psychosis um, um, and, and dependency. So is 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 that a concern as far as you're concerned? Do you monitor your patients very closely? Well, most of the evidence, such as it is about psychosis and dependency, actually comes not only from people illicitly using joints and smoking cannabis, in other words, where the doses are much, much higher than the ones we're using. B, it's, is it evidence or is it just sort of bad PR that's been deliberately, deliberately put around? Um, the facts are a bit woolly out there that's been given a bad name. I really do think that if people are smoking very strong joints a great deal, that they're at risk of becoming dependent and they're at risk of becoming psychotic. But I would stress that the doses we are using are much, much lower. We we never want to make anybody high. We never really want to make anybody sleepy. We think that in those circumstances, the risk of dependency is very, very low and the risk of uh, psychosis is almost zero. But even then, we screen our patients very, very carefully. We we ask their GPs for their medical history. We meet them and the appropriate specialist interviews them. And in fact, Sophie's interviewed them first most of the time. So they're, they're probably better screened than they would be in the NHS. And, and yes, we do follow them up um, every month or even more frequently than that in the first few months until they're really well settled and we're happy they're safe. And then actually Sophie continues to monitor them and she's an experienced clinician and reports back to us if she's at all concerned. So we are monitoring more thoroughly than most of us could ever achieve in our NHS clinics. Right. And so far we've had no problem with psychosis or anything else. Um, and we, um, I feel, and I, I, you know, I'll, I'll put my name to this, that cannabis medicines are far less likely to cause dependency than conventional medicines, such as morphine, uh, Valium, Tramadol, Gabapentin, yeah. you know, all these conventional yeah. medicines that people ha- happily pop, they, they can't get off them. But if well, there's a real problem at the minute, aren't there? Isn't there? It started well, in the mm-hmm. states and it's now here. People are addicted to pain medication. Yeah, they're dying from them. Uh, they say that the only way you can die from cannabis use is if a ton of it falls on your head. <laughs> uh, and, and that's not my joke, but it's a true. It's a truism, and um, it's it's much safer. It doesn't stop you breathing like morphine does. It, you know, it, um, so. 
although it is not a licensed medicine, it hasn't been tested quite as thoroughly, I feel much happier, much safer in prescribing it for patients than long-term morphine or long-term gabapentin, for example. Okay, very, very interesting. All right. Now, when you do prescribe it, how, how do people take it? Is it injected or is it pills or what, what happens? So I have a number of options, really, sort of a whether on whatever's most appropriate for that individual. But there are it is it is prescribable in flower format. So the way that people imagine cannabis to look, it looks like that. But it is produced in a pharmaceutical facility and is of medical grade. Then there are cannabis. So what oils. do you do with that? Well, you smoke that, do you? You vaporize that. You vaporize right. that. It, it is worth saying that if you are prescribed cannabis medication in the flowers uh, form and you are found to be smoking rather than vaporizing it, it voids the legality of that prescription because the smoking, the action of smoking could be harm, more harmful to you. Sure. Vaporizing is an even way, a gentler way of heating it without um, uh, without causing that sort of a risk of the carcinogens caused by burning it higher than 200 degrees. Yeah, okay. Um, you all can have it. And I think the way I would usually frame it is that flower medications of, of cannabis are short acting so they last for around two hours whereas cannabis oils um can last around six hours and they're delivered by sort of a syringe and you hold them under your tongue sublingually and then swallow them and that's how you administer those um or you can take capsules that now are available so they are they look like any other medication in pill format that you've ever taken and they um also would be classed as long-acting cannabis medicines and they can last for up to six hours Okay. So this is all dead easy. You know, you don't have to go and see the doctor for this. You can get your prescription, take the medicine at home. Yeah, the doctor or the nurse doesn't have to administer the medication for yeah. you. You can you are being assessed by the clinicians, but then you are administering yourself at home. OK, so dead, and all right. Um, is there a chance that if if you if you took it all in one go, would you get some uh, results that you might not be looking for? Will that get you high? So I think I think the, the interesting thing here is that if you're talking about getting high, that idea of that uh, what people may class as recreational use of cannabis is that actually uh, someone with chronic pain and someone who would be classed as healthy could use the same amount of cannabis. But because of the deficiency in the individual with chronic pain on the endocannabinoid system, they will not experience that high that people refer to if they're using recreationally. Right. And that is because of the deficiency that we are replacing. If you took a lot of, um, so a lot of the misunderstanding about cannabis medicines is that when people, when patients are using them, people say exactly that, you know, oh, are you getting high off of it? Do you worry about getting high off of it? And actually they, people with deficiencies would have to take a lot of it in order to feel that more, what might be referred to as psychoactive effects of it. If you took all of your cannabis oil in one go, you would fall asleep. And then you would wake up. <laughs> that, that was the worst thing that would happen. <laughs> so as far as overdoses go, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's and by the way, you know, we're watching out for people being stupid with their medicines. And if there's yes. any hint they're messing around with their medicines, then we say bye-bye. Yep, we, we, we're having a common sense agreement or contract with our patients that this is serious business. There's no messing around here. And... Um, we're nice to our patients, don't get me wrong, but, you know, we're business-like as well. Yeah, well, um, you know, if they're in pain, they, they will be on board with the programme, I'm quite sure. Um, 
something we touched on a, a little bit earlier, but I wanted just to go back to, although, you know, cannabis has been around for you know thousands of years. What about the, the research? Because you, you said, well, some of the, there is research happening. Uh, there's going to be more. What, what's, where are we now with the research into the efficacy of, of all this? There are quite a lot of papers out there in, in the medical literature um, which show that for various conditions, I mean, just for example, fibromyalgia, there's the best evidence. One of the conditions that you can't treat properly with conventional medicines is so much better with cannabis. So there are a lot of what are called grade B medical scientific papers out there to support um, to support uh, the, the usefulness and safety of cannabis medicines. But what we don't have yet is the grade A uh, research. And these are the, the large um, controlled randomized uh, studies, which are usually financed by the pharmaceutical companies that want to sell the drug. Um, we don't have those yet, partly as, as Sophie was saying earlier, because there isn't the legal framework, or there hasn't been until very recently, but partly because actually there isn't the big pharma finance to, right. to pay for these studies. That's why NICE find it very difficult to, um, to support cannabinoids for most NHS patients. It'll come, but we haven't got there yet. But the easing of the regulations will gradually make that more possible. But one of the benefits of, of our being able to practice cannabis medicine in this way is that we can start now to build up the body of um, evidence and knowledge and then make other people see it's worthwhile looking into this. Then the grade A studies will come along. Sophie, you're going to say something else. No, it's, like, it's exactly what you said. It's sort of the getting people to understand the trajectory that cannabis medicines are going to have to go through in order to get to what might be more widely accessible via NHS, for example. So like you say, you've got um, places where like Integro, where we've got private clinics able to prescribe cannabis medicines in this controlled format. And from that, the more prescriptions you pres that you that are written, the more data is collected on which ones are appropriate for which symptom management. And then from that, that informs research. The research informs clinical trials and then the clinical trials are if enough of them are done at a gold standard that is the that is the evidence base that will be created that nice will then be able to confidently back as mm -hmm. um being able to be distributed to thousands of people that the nhs treat it, it sounds like you're confident that these sort of drugs will be able to be used in the future and will, and will help a lot of people you know <laughs> that's, that's, yeah i mean I, that's how you see I think it, the fascinating thing about cannabis from a clinical perspective or cannabis medicines is that it's we ha it's a it's a it's a format in which you are basically prescribing what we might term as polypharmacy. You're actually able to target multiple different symptoms with just one medication. And I know doctors are not fans of having to prescribe multiple pills and multiple tablets, and patients aren't fans of taking them. So and there's so there's that aspect of it, but there's also the fact that it has so many indiv individual chemicals within it that have so much potential. There's research that demonstrates that THG has neuroprotective properties. There's um, evidence that there is uh, certain cannabinoids like CBG that have antibiotic properties. There's a, a, a wonderful overview that you guys have given about the work you're doing and the sort of things that 
um, medication derived from the cannabis plant can help with. But if people are listening to this and want to find out a bit more, there's actually an approaching webinar, and that, that's been arranged uh, with you guys, Integro Clinics, as well as the um, Back Care Charity. Now, I know the Back Care Charity because I'm um, I'm a sponsor, corporate sponsor of the Back Care Charity, and I think you guys are as well. So they're, they're a fabulous charity, and you're doing a webinar with them, uh, and it's very appropriate because they they help people that are in, in pain um, in the back with their back, uh, and, and I'm sure you help a lot of people with that as well. So, can you can you just tell us a little bit about the um, the webinar and uh, how people can get involved uh, if they want to, e either of you? Yeah, of course. Um, so the webinar is coming up on the 25th of May. It will be at seven o'clock in the evening. It's free to register. You go to the Integro Clinics website or the Back Care website and um, any of the socials, so Facebook, Twitter uh, and so on. So you can find the link there to register. The webinar is going to be focusing on um, discussing cannabis based medicines for back pain. So the application of these medications in back pain and we'll, sort, we'll be going through um, I know Dr. Orman's very kindly um, agreed to be part of it and um, Dr. Amaldi um, from Integro Clinics and also um, Dr. Hammond from Backcare Charity are going to do presentations on the different strategies for management of back pain ranging from anything that's um, available to you in terms of treatment from your hospital to non-pharmacological methods that you can use at home to manage your back pain all the way through to cannabis medicines and how they can apply in the management of back pain. Okay, so if you are suffering or a loved one or someone you know is suffering from back pain, uh, it sounds like a very useful resource. So that's May the 25th. Details on your website. Sophie, can you just give your website, please? Uh, yes, so it's Integro Clinics, it's Integro spell I-N-T-E-G-R-O. Um, so IntegroClinics.com <laughs> is the website. Excellent. Right. Look, guys, both of you, thank you very much indeed uh, for talking to me today. I think people are going to find that not only very interesting, but actually very useful as well. So many thanks. Thanks for having us so long. Nice to meet you. Very well. Yeah, welcome. thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much to my guests on this week's show. And they were Dr. Anthony Orman and Sophie Hayes of the Integro Medical Clinics. And of course, thank you to you for listening. Thank you for listening and please do join us again next time.